May God open our ears, our hearts, and our whole lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. As I was thinking about this Christmas season, what became very apparent to me over the weekend was I have spent more time worshiping with the good people of St. Stephen's remotely than I have with you in person. And so when I think about Christmas memories, I don't have lots of them in this place. Um, and I am hopeful that in the years to come, we will have many more memories together in this place. But what bubbled up for me was one memorable Christmas year, probably 30 years ago. My family and I spent Christmas in Decatur, Alabama, at my aunt and uncle's house. And so my sisters and I got to spend prolonged time with our cousins and who are more like siblings than they are distant cousins. We went to parties and got to see extended family, longtime friends, and people who knew my mom when she was little and hear those stories. There was laughter and good food and different Christmas decorations. And we worshiped on Christmas Eve at St. John's in Decatur, an old Episcopal church not far from my Uncle Robert's house. And sang Christmas carols late into the night. You see, my mom thought it was best that we be in a different space than usual that Christmas since my dad wasn't with us. On Christmas morning, we woke up and found that Santa had brought us bicycles um, from Montgomery. I don't know. I don't even remember how my mom got the bicycles back home, but it was this magical, odd time. It was a blend of loss of my dad not being there, but this hopefulness and joy of being together. And this swirl of people, sights, and sounds was exhilarating, yet the reason for our departure was that at our normal home in Montgomery, our dad wasn't living with our family anymore. And each of us experienced the pain of that divorce differently. And that time of separation was really hard. Perhaps you're reflecting on your Christmas season, this time when the dwelling of God with us has come near and we celebrate Jesus' incarnation. But maybe there are times of separateness, or maybe you're just breathing deeply that Christmas is now past. You see, there are these spaces of gaiety and then there are these spaces of deep disappointment. We're missing people and gatherings we normally have enjoyed, or we feel anxiety that we can't be there because it's not a safe thing to do. Maybe you're missing sitting with your choir buddies. Maybe you're missing being in the nave of St. Stephen's on Christmas Eve, ringing out the celebration of Jesus' birth, or sharing salmon at the Christmas brunch. The word that comes to mind for me in the messiness and joy of Christmas is mystery. Mystery. And it's not like the, the whodunit to be solved by uh, the roll of a dice, but more along the lines of when we cannot reconcile our lived experience 
with our cognitive understanding. One of Merriam-Webster's definitions of mystery is a religious truth only known through spiritual revelation. So greater understanding emerges from that revelation, but without permanent clarity. And if ever there was a time when we have wrestled with truth and longed for clarity, it has been this past year. Our ways of being community and church have shifted, and in some ways, markedly. Rachel Held Evans wrote about the beauty and pain of doing and being church in her 2014 book, Searching for Sunday. As a young woman seeking a church home that could welcome her questions and faith in God, Evans explored the vulnerabilities of people pursuing God. Their vulnerabilities and fears of dying, desperation to be loved, troubles and relationships, persistent doubts and crises of faith, preoccupation with status or image. And in spite of addictions and differences among people within her faith community, Rachel kept seeing this need and this drive to authenticity. For we all search for a safe space to relax and shed our facades, to share commonplace and air our dirty laundry before God and everyone. And she writes that when we are together in that space of vulnerability, we don't have to be afraid. I think maybe that stands out to me today because our ways of gathering to be together are a little different. Nevertheless, Walter Brueggemann, one of my favorite theologians and scholars, sums up what Rachel's talking about like this. In essence, he says, churches are to be the most honest place in town, not the happiest place in town. The most honest place in town, not the happiest place in town. Now, I know that you at home don't necessarily have to put on a pretty face in order to worship online. Some of us do have to brush our hair or you know, put on different clothes. Um, but we still have this call to honesty rather than just being happy in our demonstrations of faith. We often hear that emotional roller coaster of honesty in our Psalms. We didn't hear as much today but we'll hear of deep lament and pain mingled with joy and faith in God. Holy Scripture continues to bring us alongside God's people in mountaintop experiences and deep valleys of persecution and despair. We hear a couple of those today. In Matthew chapter 2, we hear of this sign in the sky, this child Jesus's star at its rising, the magi leaving their homes to follow it. And then they meet the adoring mother Mary with her little one. Intermingled with this fear and avarice 
this darkness of Herod and the threat that is posed. And yet, like the star of Bethlehem, the Christ light shines. God's promise is not vanquished. The mystery of God's power persists. The magi, the wise men, are warned in a dream to depart and avoid Herod. And that boy grows into a man, the Messiah. In another example of desperation mingled with hope, we have the words from Jeremiah today. So this portion that we heard is, is in a segment called the Book of Consolation. We hear how God's faith is unwavering. Though God's people are in exile and in great suffering, there is hope. The Lord says, I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they will not stumble. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. As the Psalms often include these cries to and longings for God, here we hear how the Lord has this deep longing for us too. The mystery of God's power persists. A promise of satisfaction is ahead. And God will gather those in exile, delivering all who are Strangers, broken, scattered. This does not mean that we'll be happy all the time. There are and will be hard times. There is and will be peril. And as long as we continue to fuel our desire for God and know that God, too, pursues us, we are swept up into the mystery of God's power. Rachel Held Evans shares one more point that really speaks to me today. As we celebrate this Christmas season in a new year and look to the Epiphany, people following Jesus, we Christians, strive to imitate Jesus, right? That's why we read and proclaim the gospel, hoping that we can live into these beautiful footsteps. And in walking in those footsteps, we are also called to live into all of our relationships, imitating Jesus. Because you see, that was one of the points in Paul's letters, helping his fellow followers live into their relationships as Jesus lived. Christians then and Christians now are invited by Jesus' example of loving and serving one another rather than fighting for dominance in all sorts of relationships. Marriage, friendship, work, family, mutual love and humble submission 
and in daring to live in this radical self-sacrificing dynamic, Evan says that we get glimpses of the mystery of Christ's relentless and self-giving love for the church. Christ's relentless and self-giving love for the church. And the glory that is ahead And so how are we called to be one of the most honest places in town on this 10th day of Christmas? And how shall we pray for God to move us, to sweep us into the mystery of honesty, of imperfection and vulnerability? Paul's prayer in our reading from Ephesians is one of those spaces that we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may come to know God, that the eyes of our hearts be enlightened, that we know the hope to which God has called us, what the riches of God's glorious inheritance are among the saints and what greatness of God's power is and what it can do. So what can you do after praying? Think about the stories of God's mystery in your life. Can you put words to them? If so, share them. And then write a letter to someone who is lonely. We have parishioners here at St. Stephen's, there are residents at St. Martin's in the Pines and at Episcopal Place or for you joining us from afar, wherever you call home. If you need the address for St. Martin's or Episcopal Place, email me. I will send those, those addresses to you. Send a card. If you have kids, have them draw a picture. Help them stay connected during this time of isolation. And whatever you do, find a way to serve someone else in your life in the selfless way that Jesus helped those along his path. Amen.